Okay, it says uh, setting up your webinar for Facebook Live. It says live on Facebook. So welcome everybody to another Friday night. I'm waiting for Michael and Andrew to see when they're going to come or if they're going to come. But we have an awesome guest tonight, Blake Oliver, and we're going to have some fun today talking about, uh, well, we were thinking about the topics. And since Blake is um, has really done a good job at sort of... Uh, becoming a voice that people look after in terms, not just physical voice, I mean, or, or auditory voice, but he's got a blog too. So I like to talk about kind of the purpose of becoming a thought leader or what is thought leadership, or maybe let's talk about some pros and cons of maybe all the effort that goes into trying to become a thought leader and maybe some of the good things and bad things that come out. So before we jump into that, Blake, give us a quick introduction of kind of like where you work, who you are, and what you're working on now. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for having me, Hector. It's uh, I've been aware and, and uh, I've been enjoying, I've been aware of and I've been enjoying these, uh, these Facebook Lives for a little while now, so it's great to be on. Uh, I'm here in Los Angeles. Welcome to my guest room slash office. Uh, I, I work at a company called Flowcast. Uh, before that, and I'm into marketing these days, but I'm a CPA. And before I got into marketing, I had my own uh, cloud accounting services slash bookkeeping slash technology consulting business. We were one of the, I was the second bookkeeper to get certified on zero in the U S uh, so, so I am told. And, uh, who's the first? Just, you know, just it, it could have been Nick Pascarosa in New York. Okay. I'm not sure. There was somebody in New York who was, who was listed on the directory before me. Uh, okay. And before that, before that, I was a... So, I don't know, maybe I should go all the way back to the beginning where I was the uh, unemployed musician. That People like to hear about that, right? <laughs> so I majored in music, uh, couldn't get a job, it, 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 couldn't get a job that paid well outside of music. So I got into bookkeeping. Uh, and was a QuickBooks Pro Advisor, uh, doing a lot of desktop. And when when cloud started to happen, you know, QuickBooks Online wasn't that great. So I was looking for other options. Uh, found Zero, was the second guy to get certified on Zero, and just sort of rode that wave up. Started a business doing cloud bookkeeping while I was uh, uh, studying for my CPA and. Yeah, um, kind of started a business called CloudSourced Accounting, and that was a wild ride. We, like in three years, got 200 customers. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Blake. How you doing? Really good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, I was just kind of giving my, my, my background. Uh, so this, we, we, we're doing really well. We merged with another firm HPC run by Bruce Phillips. So we were a team of 25 then. Uh, and then uh, I left there to go to a big firm because I thought I would learn a lot at a large firm. So I went to Armanino and they made me a manager in their outsourced accounting department. And I realized pretty quickly that they didn't know what they were doing either. <laughs> Less than me really. Uh, so that was fun. That was interesting being in a big firm. They're a top 25 firm. And uh, I, I actually very, I have very good things to say about Armanino, but yeah, nobody knows what they're doing when it comes to uh, these kind of things, it feels like. And uh, I, I don't know anything about Armanino, but what I do know 
is that they hired Ron Baker as their chief value officer. They did. Yep. And they- and I don't know anything about Armanino, but for that they have my utmost respect. So I hope uh, hope they're getting the money's worth there. Well, I, they're paying him, I guess, to be their chief value officer. But as far as I know, they're still doing hourly billing. So oh, I don't geez. know. <laughs> that was actually one of my big frustrations when I was there. Uh, I've got a story about that if you want to hear it. But uh, yeah, so I was working at Armanino and I figured, okay, I'll just you know try to make partner here because it's a good firm. It's a great firm, uh, even though I was frustrated, right? I, I felt like it was a kind of place where I could make a change and then this company called Flowcast started up a mile away from where I was living in LA, the startup company selling what we call clothes management software to corporate accounting teams. And I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is weird. This is new. Never heard of this workflow, you know, collaboration software for corporate accounting teams, reconciliations and all that. Uh, so, so sorry, co- corporate accounting teams is more for internal accounting yeah, teams, yeah. Not, not public, not public accounting. Yeah. So think of like the corporate controller at Yelp, who is a customer of Flowcast, right? So this is, you know, you think of uh, tools that we use in public accounting, like uh, Jetpack Workflow or um, uh, what, like Zero Practice Manager or uh, Name in, in Carbon, right? Those kind of I things. I freeze or did you guys freeze? I still hear you, Andrew. Yeah, Andrew, you're freezing. We're, we're, we're smooth here. Assume. Yeah. It's, it's so cold in, in, that you froze, I guess. So cold in Toronto. Nope, we lost him. Yeah, he'll, he'll come back. All right, so, so you're, you're, you're the marketing person at Flowcast. Yeah, so, so um, anyway, I, what, yeah, when, I was, when I was building my business, I got really into blogging and content marketing, and that's how we got a lot of our customers. And so that's how the founders of Flowcast knew me. Is I, wrote a, I actually wrote a blog post about them because I was so intrigued by it when they grew, they said, they recruited me. They said, Blake, you should come work in marketing for us. And I was like, I've never done product marketing. I have no idea what you're talking about. And they're like, you'll figure it out. You, you, like you already know how to write, write blogs and stuff. So uh, I said no, like three times. And then finally said yes. And so, yeah, that's how I ended up in software. So you, you got equity, you got equity in Flowcast. I have options. Okay. All right. Yeah. So like the details, I think it's important to be transparent, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. And I'm an employee, you know, I'm very, they're very generous. Um, and uh, I, I, every, every, I think everybody gets options to some extent. So yeah, we're hoping to, you know, so if, they, if they go public, you make out. Yeah. If they go public, I'll be pretty well set. So that's, that's not, you could do more, blog, <laughs> even more blogging. Exactly. Right, so, yeah. yeah. So, you're, so, so you were blogging, if you don't mind telling us no, yeah. what exactly, what were you blogging about? Why were you blogging about that? With what purpose? And that actually led you to get this great job that you love, right? Yeah. So we were doing content marketing to, you know, an online, online marketing to get people interested in zero to buy our bookkeeping services. Uh, that's what I was doing when I had my own firm. And we did a very popular series, zero versus QuickBooks online. And nobody was creating content at that time. I guess this was like in 2012. Very few people were writing about it. Very few people knew what Zero was, but they had tens of thousands of customers. That so we were the only. That's pre Hector. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it, maybe maybe <coughs> were, but it wasn't. You know, it, it, people weren't. There was plenty of room still, right? Now everybody seems but like everybody. I think I think there's still plenty of room. I I yeah. I, I, I I don't. I wouldn't buy to the fact that. The, the, you know, the blogging or thought leadership market is crowded 
in any way. I, I, we just see more than we were used to. Yeah. I don't think it's crowded in any way. We can maybe that's a topic we can we can we can develop on. So you yeah. were writing about you were writing or creating content on QuickBooks versus Zero because you're a Zero guy. Yeah, yeah. And are you against QuickBooks in any way, or is it just something that you just never got into? No. So I was a pro advisor. Um, okay. and, and the thing is, I went I got into cloud, you know, a little earlier than some folks. I think um, I don't know when you guys started using the online product, but you know, like QuickBooks Quite Online, was, it was it was garbage 10 years ago, right? It was like, yeah. it was a neglected stepchild. And so it wasn't any good. And now it's great. What? No, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty darn. They've, they've done amazing things in the last five years in particular. So like now Very I think true. it's a, it's a great product and you know, it's almost like you can, you can take one or the other in my opinion, right? Um, it's a matter of preference at this point. You can, you can pretty much do what you need to do in either product. So uh, no, I'll, I'll let Andrew jump in uh, while I get a drink. And Blake, I'll, I'll, if you want to take a break and get a drink, let me know. Oh, no, I came um, prepared. I brought my my one of my favorites. Yeah, sorry, I had to start at 11.30. I couldn't get my drink. <laughs> but, uh, Andrew, I don't know what you, the first part, he was just kind of telling us about his journey. Um, so maybe you want to jump in. Yeah, well, I, I'm enjoying just listening. It sounds like you had a pretty exciting journey. And, you know, Hector, you made some points that there's still lots of room um, even though there's, there's, you know, we're established now, I guess my biggest question for you, Blake is, you know, you, you got into the cloud market really early. Um, why did you, what was it about, about the cloud market back then that you saw as such a big opportunity? Um, other than the fact that you couldn't find a job in music, what was it about the industry yeah. that, that grabbed your attention and, and made you want to get into it? So, so I was I was working as a um, you know typical bookkeeper driving around. I had a I had a handful of clients in LA, uh, going to their offices to get the work done, and printing checks and whatnot. And I found the combo of uh, QBO and Bill.com, right? That cut my job like by fifty percent. And I thought I, I had a revelation, right? Like this is this is the way of the future. Uh, and I was like, we could do a business around this, uh, and part of the reason I felt that way is because there were these firms that I was aware of in century city, you know, a very expensive part of LA near Beverly Hills where they were paying bookkeepers, you know, or they were charging out bookkeepers at $85 an hour, $90 an hour to do, you know, bookkeeping by keying in transactions. I mean, we can definitely beat those prices if we're using online technology. And so that was it. It was just like, okay, let's just use online cloud accounting tools a handful of tools and let's uh, let's do a, a better service that's entrepreneurs like because it's less work for them. I mean, I had a guy come to me who this firm was making him print out his bank statements and then code the transactions by writing in the code next to each transaction on the bank statement. And then he had to fax them back to the <laughs> office where they would get keyed in. Right? I've like, seen that before. <laughs> yeah. And he was paying them, you know, and they were charging out that bookkeeper like 80 bucks an hour. And he was doing all the, all the coding work. He just didn't understand why he was doing this. And I said, oh yeah, we <laughs> feed in the transactions. You don't have to do any of that. And then he was so happy. He was happy to pay me whatever. I, I couldn't charge him enough, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So that was my revelation, <laughs> right? It's just the, and getting around in LA sucks, right? I could get clients from all over the metro area. Like I didn't even have to go beyond LA. I could just, now I could suddenly go more than 10 miles from my house. Which so. opened up a huge market for you. Yeah, I mean, it's and like totally, you said, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and 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 a market of people who are willing to pay you a premium 
because uh, you could target those those rich neighborhoods. Yeah, and I could still come to their office every now and then for a meeting, which you know people value that still, right? I'm not a I'm not a believer in necessarily 100% remote all the time being the best option. It's really not people like that in person touch when it comes to you know their relationships, uh, or they just like feeling like they have the option, right? If they need it, so. Yeah. Uh, so we had people most, you know, we had people uh, mostly in LA to begin with working remotely, working from home, but they were still, you know, close enough proximity where if we had to get together, we could. And that was, that seemed to be like a winning model. And we were just able to scale that up in a small way. And, uh, you know, it worked. So. It, it is really interesting to have that blend because the technology does enable us um, to work completely remotely. But I completely agree with you that there's still something to be said about that personal touch. Yeah, um, and it's yeah. not necessarily, you're, you're not going there now because you have to collect data. You're going there to manage and, and nurture a relationship yeah. more than anything else. So maybe now you're going out to meet your client for lunch rather than going to his office to pick up his books, right? Exactly. Or that, that initial sales call, right? When they want to mm -hmm. get to know you, they, they feel like you're a real person. They're trusting you with their sensitive data. Like so much easier to win that business if you're there in person. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it's so much easier to build that trust, as you talked about. Yeah. So I, I guess the question is, so you you saw the light pretty early on. I thought I saw it early, but not nearly as early as you. Well, it, I, I mean, I was like, what? Uh, I was in, that was in 20, um, 2011, maybe, at the earliest, 2010. Like, so less than 10 years ago, right? I mean. Right, but it's, it was still like four or five years before me, right? Maybe <laughs> Maybe three or four, but. I mean, and, and I'm still probably one of the earlier Canadians, um, but I guess it's still, the, I guess the question now is, is there, is there, do you see a new light on the horizon? Is there something that you're really excited about coming down the line? Well, so, you know, it's a bit self-serving, but I, I talk about like, so I, I, I my, the current firm I work for, the software company I work for, we're in the mid market. We serve mostly mid-sized companies. And so I get to, understand a lot of their needs right and i think there's a gigantic opportunity for accountants to serve those companies with outsourcing right yeah. with helping them with virtual controller services with the higher level stuff that they need because right now like hardly anybody is helping them with that right. so like that's that's to me if i were starting another firm uh we'd we'd probably focus only on larger clients that are you know a gap financials, right? Over $10 million a year in revenue, because you can, you can charge 10 times as much for one customer and you only have one relationship to manage versus right. the small clients. I was, you know, I had, I had, I don't know about you guys, but I had, I had a ton of clients that were like paying between 200 and $500 a month. And it was good because it wasn't super complicated. It was cash basis bookkeeping mostly at that level. You know, we go up maybe into some bill pay, payroll right um but it was very simple in terms of the actual accounting uh but there were tons of relationships to manage and that was the bottleneck for me was just managing the relationships so yeah well, that's interesting because i'm probably still at that that point where i'm doing exactly what you talk about dealing with a lot of small clients and 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 it's interesting because um you know the the bigger market are you know it's exciting because it's bigger uh, bigger dollars that you're talking about for each individual contract. You can build stronger relationships, um, but then you've also got a longer sales cycle. You're more dependent on that client if he's like a big yeah. fish, you know. Um, so there's pros and cons, and and I, I wonder, 
um, you know, there's so much talk about the gig economy and this being this giant opportunity. And it sounds like you don't see that as the opportunity. You're seeing the mid-market as the opportunity. Well, especially when you've got, you know, QuickBooks Live, that big unknown, what's going to happen with that. You've got more and more of these accounting startups where all the VC money is pouring in and you're having to compete with them potentially, right? I don't want to have to compete against a bench or a QuickBooks Live or like... If, if I go up market, then I'm not dealing with that pressure. So yeah, even though there is, there's the risk of having- Not yet anyways. Not yet anyway, yeah. I mean, it'll take them a while, I think, to, to you know, capture the billion dollars market that is you know, small business bookkeeping though, right? So I don't know how much it is, but um, kind of hard to like, well, I, I feel like, so the big risk of if you move up market is you have fewer clients, so you lose when it hurts more, but yeah. you know, if you have more than, you know, 20 clients, then losing one, if they're all equal, let's say that, you know, it's 5% of your business. It's not horrible, right? You can survive right. that. So. And that you also be- have the potential to grow that much faster, even though the sales cycle might be long, longer, if you're building up credibility and reputation, uh, as you often do, because, you know, accounting spreads so much by word of mouth. Yeah. Um, that you've got the potential to, to grow even more rapidly and maybe replace that one lost client with two or three, which when it's, you know, a $200 a month, $500 a month client, replacing one guy with two or three doesn't make that much of an impact on the bottom line. Facing a $20,000 a year client with two or three of those starts to make a bigger impact. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just, people are also more reasonable. Like, um, you know, when, when you're dealing with larger businesses, you don't tend to have as many of the, the personalities that you get in the, in the, you know, small business world, like people, they're just more mature in a way. Yeah. Right. So like, you're not dealing with just like people who are just asking for crazy things. Yeah. They have more reasonable expectations because they're business, they're business. They, people. they don't think that for $200 a month, you're their only client and you must yeah. be at their beck and call every minute. Exactly. Which yeah. happens yeah. all that often. So I guess, how would someone who's dealing, like, how would, how would you recommend someone making that transition? So someone like me who, who deals with those smaller clients, how do you make that initial step into that mid-month? That's a good question. I mean, I don't know if I have a real answer for you because I sold my business and then I didn't have to deal with that, right? Um, and then I went to work for a larger firm where we had those clients already. They were, you know, tax clients of the big firm, right? Mm-hmm. And we could, we could just pick and choose. Um, so... I, I'm just trying to think going back to how we got those cu- customers. It, it was through the tax partners. So, you know, if you can build a relationship with some tax partners and some like midsize firms, then their firms pro- like probably aren't, they don't have enough of an outsourced accounting team to be able to help. So they're willing to give you that work and take it outside the firm. Because right. what they care about is those, those firms are still very much book of business, right? Where it's the individual partners own the clients and it's not, it's not all, you know, uh, the firm delivering the service. It's really more the individual partner. So they have a lot of control. They can choose if they want to give it to somebody else at their firm or take it outside. Right. Uh, and so that's all relationship driven. Right. So that, cause that, and that was how I did it internally is I, I'd find, you know, real estate tax partner would, you know, develop a good relationship with me and then feed me real estate clients or same for the not-for-profit tax expert or whatever. So, right. So it's yeah. like anything, right? You know, eating that elephant one bite at a time, yeah. find a good contact, build a relationship, get that first lead, get that first opportunity, build on that. Yeah. Once that's once that's working and, and you can set that on autopilot on to sort of the next contact or the next 
Yeah, I mean, and, and as I as I say it, it's not my favorite thing because that's not very scalable, right? If you're building a business to have it that way, like so, I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's a better way to do it. I mean, well, I yeah. I'd argue it's it's still scalable. I, I mean, one of the books I've been I've been working on a course called Built to Sell with this guy John Warlow, um, who's a big believer in you know having a sales team go out and do that sales and marketing for you. Um, I still believe sales and marketing is a relationship. Uh, business, yeah. but it doesn't mean that you have to be the person building that relationship. You can build a sales team that's going out there building those relationships. So you could have, in theory, you could have people all across the country going out and developing right. and building relationships, as long as you've got the right people on the bus, people who are who are good at developing and nurturing relationships. Yeah, and then and then you got to figure out, you know, how do you build the team that has the gap knowledge to you know deliver financials for those you know mid market companies. Are you, you know, are you going to do tax? Are you, like, and that's where specialization I think comes in really handy. Right. So I, and I, I haven't, you know, I never did it. I, I worked in a firm where we had those larger clients for like a year before I left for Flowcast. So I'm not here saying I have all the answers. I just think that's where the, uh, there's a big opportunity because I don't see a lot of the large and mid-sized firms like successfully building outsourced accounting practices or CAS practices, if you like that acronym. Right. You know, or they're building them, but it's just very slow because everybody's learning. So, yeah. Yeah, we're all still learning. That's that's <laughs> the one thing. There's just only a few of us that are willing to admit that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I, 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 and I mean, I think admitting that is is probably the most important thing, right? Because then we can learn from each other. Like, that's why I love going to conferences is because of the, you know, conversations that happen like this, where we, you know, yeah. we're talking about our practices and what's working, what's not, you know. I learned more yeah. from, from hearing people's failures, right. Than anything. And sharing Absolutely. My own. I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with yeah. you more. And I mean, that's what I found. I mean, that's why I dove into this community, you know, head first is because I was so enamored by the way that this community does sort of share openly and communicate because um, prior to me getting involved with the community, I didn't really see that in the accounting world. Everyone else was, so closed fisted, not willing to share, not willing to talk about the demons in the closet. Now everyone here is happy to spill about the disaster clients and the things that didn't work and what they've tried and what, what worked and what didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, a, you know, that's one of the things I love. I mean, I guess the, the, the reality is what I've learned is, um, you know, learning from other people's mistakes is, is helpful and insightful, but it also is everyone else's experience is different. Um, so someone might have failed at something or had an, had an experience that didn't work, but it doesn't mean that if you did it with a slight twist, you couldn't succeed doing that. And I think that's one of the things that that is is dangerous when we talk about the failures um, and we look at it and go, OK, yeah, that's, I don't want to touch that area with a 10 foot pole because, you know, I know three or four people who have who've tried it and, and it didn't work for them. Right, right. So I think that there's. Um, and, you know, it's, I think that as much as the community is still more open than I've ever seen, I think that there, you know, still people, when, when people have something that's really hitting on, 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 um, you know, I don't even know what, it's just really successful. Um, uh, I'm not sure that people are out there screaming, yes, this is working really well for me. Right. Here's yeah, my trade secret. Yeah. yeah. I think I people are more open. And when you get a private one-on-one -on -one conversation, you might get that. Yeah. But it's not like people are screaming, here's my secret to success. That's that's absolutely true. Yeah. 
<laughs> Maybe once they get a little more successful, then they're willing to share. Right. right. But, or, mean, or, what, or yeah. once they've exited, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now I'm happy to share because I'm not, I don't have a practice right now. So I'll tell you everything <laughs> I know. <laughs> so you're, you're the perfect guest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. To ask me anything. Actually, I do have one client. So uh, I, I have a, my, one of my very first clients has stuck with me through everything and puts up with the fact that I'm not responsive, you know, and that I'm busy all the time. Uh, and so, you know, when I went to this new job, they were like, well, you can't abandon us. And I said, well, I mean, are you okay with this not being my, my gig anymore? And they said, yes. So that's how I keep fresh on everything going on with the uh, small business accounting world. I was you just going to ask one client who's your guinea pig. Yeah, and yeah. Stories about accounting are things that happen to that one client. At this point, yes. <laughs> I was just going to ask why? Why do you? Why did you keep them? Like, obviously, you don't need to keep the one client, but that's a great reason is to keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on. Yeah, like if there's if there's change, like you know, I consider myself to be a zero expert, right? Uh, how can I claim to be a zero expert if I'm not using a product anymore, right? So, yeah. Now, if there's changes, I know about it because I'm actually in there reconciling the bank account. So, so, so you continue to to wear the label the zero expert, correct? Yeah, I, I mean, it's like I took it took me a long time to get good at it, right? Might as well keep that and uh, keep it fresh. Um, I, I also really want to learn like the products that our customers use at Flowcast are NetSuite and Intact. That's on my list of products to learn, and I think for anyone who has the time and inclination in our space in the cast world, like go. Go just get certified or, or actually, I don't know how it works, but uh, take an intact class, right? Or take a NetSuite class because those are just amazing products. And there's so many businesses that are switching to those cloud ERP systems. And I think there's a gigantic opportunity to consult with them on the technology, on the integrations. I mean, those solutions are now building out ecosystems just like QuickBooks did, just like Xero did. And there's hundreds of apps that plug in. It's almost, it's the same thing but greater complexity because these are mid-sized businesses. Uh, so even more opportunity for problems, for needing help. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, consultancies that all they do are consult on NetSuite or consult on Intact. So I would love to um, maybe get your commitment to later on in the future, let's have an episode where we talk about mid-market because I think there's just so many complexities around, around yeah. that. And I wasn't, I didn't prepare any material or any questions around that. I actually have some questions about thought, around thought leadership, which, you know, you were saying about, you know, hey, don't ask me questions about being a, a, a small business accountant right now because I'm not one. But let me ask you a question of something that you are, which is you are absolutely an industry thought leader. And, oh, well, thank, uh, you. thank you. And you have your, your, uh, your blog, BlakeOliver.com. You have a couple of really, you don't have, your art, you don't have like hundreds of articles, but the few articles you have are very thorough. Like it looks like you, 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 you do take your time, like in your one article uh, that I think really when I started hearing about you, the article on Buttkeeper, right? Where mm -hmm. you did a thorough research about what this company is or is not, or might be, or might not be. And we discussed it on, on Friday Night Live a little bit. And, and really from a far away view, cause we're not that much in touch of it. So a lot of the source came from what you're saying. And then with the QuickBooks Live stuff, um, you were one of the first people to start talking about it uh, in a public uh, manner. So you also helped us start that conversation. But your podcast is something also really worth 
talking about, which is a cloud accounting podcast, which you co-host with David Leary, who's an mm-hmm. ex-Intuit employee. And now he did the same thing you did. He went to work for a software company. Yep. So we have, uh, you know, so, so, so you, you guys have a really interesting dynamic because David still, his heart, a lot of, a lot of his heart is still in Intuit. He has a lot of friends over there and he tends yep, to yep. do it quite a bit because Intuit does have a lot of great things. I mean, it's worth having both sides of the conversation, but about your podcast. So it's been going on for what, about a year and a half. Yeah. Um, I think we're on episode 73 and yep. we do them every week. So yeah. Uh, did you know, fun fact, did you know that the last episode of Game of Thrones, which is in a couple of days, is also episode 73? You know, uh, that's <laughs> a weird coincidence. Yeah, it, it, it didn't is. take us eight years, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, and you haven't disappointed yet, so we're, 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 we're good there. We've still got plenty of time to, to disappoint yeah. you. So, so the, which, the- which one of you is going to go crazy, you or David? <laughs> Uh, well, given that I'm the one who tends to go on the rants, although I'm, maybe I'll drive David crazy. Like, uh, eventually we'll see. So, Luckily so Blake, we don't, we don't do them in person. So it's not like he can, uh, he, can well, he, 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 said, he, he does it from his closet, right? I saw the picture. Yeah. He does it for That's acoustics. why he has the best sound quality. It's incredible because he's, he's in, got great. Yeah, he does. So, um, on the 73 episodes, so you, so basically 73 times or more, cause you, maybe you had some episodes that you completely trash. Cause I, I know how that works. That's happened to me before. So 73 times you yep. sat down with someone for about an hour to an hour and a half to discuss a topic freely, maybe prepare a little bit, um, do some editing, post it. You've invested time and money into a podcast. Yep. I think you actually have monetary sponsors now. Is that yeah, we were really uh, pleased to get some sponsors this year. So recently, yeah, so you so, so you spent yeah. a whole year building this. Yeah, maybe to get sponsors or not. So tell me what good has come out of the podcast, other than the sponsors, to kind of just tell people that it's worth the the there is a reward behind putting hard work into thought leadership. Well. I would say uh, I haven't done a full ROI analysis on this yet, and if I did, I might be disappointed because it takes about. I'm gonna, if I'm if I'm generous, it takes four hours uh, to do an episode, right? To record it and edit it and post it. So four hours pro- per week. Because you guys are promoting it week long, you're tweeting yeah. about it and putting it on. On LinkedIn, right? Well, we, we kind of divide that up. So, you know, I do the post-production and editing. Uh, you know, I post it up on the site. David does the promotion. He finds the sponsors now that we've got sponsors. Um, so, so that's how we've kind of like divvied it up. I'm more back office. He's more front office, which uh, is, is a nice division, at least uh, in my mind. Uh, and, you know, in terms of like the monetary rewards at this point, um, you know, if I calculated in the number of hours, let's see, 74, 73 times four, <laughs> what is that like 300, 300 hours, uh, the amount of money we have made, I'm probably making a few bucks an hour at this point. Right. So it's yeah, not plus, it's, plus microphones and Zen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although it's kind of amazing, um, how affordable it is to, to do a podcast these days. Like these, these blue Yeti microphones are like $129 or something. It's crazy. Right. Um, but no, still an investment of time. But uh, the idea was, well, you know, we just 
I like to, I like to tell people what I think. And so, right. This is a great excuse to just every week, you know, now I get to uh, say, you know, talk about this nerdy stuff that my wife doesn't want to hear me talk about. Uh, and give, sometimes, you know, give my opinion. Uh, actually we started the show as a, as an interview format, like almost every podcast. So we were, we were interviewing people and we very quickly realized that we would run out of people to interview if we did it every, every week, right? There aren't that many people that, that are interesting to interview in this space. And, um, you know, we, obviously we, we didn't get to you, Hector, or to you, it's Andrew. It's just a lot of work. I think it's just a lot of work to it find schedule them. I think they're interesting people that are out there. It's just yeah. doing the homework to, to find it. It, it is. And, you, and then you have to come up with the topics and the questions and do the research. So we realized very quickly, oh, um, when David and I said, let's do the podcast together, we was like, well, let's make it a news format, right? So it's a weekly roundup of news stories with our commentary. And that was something that was a lot easier to do on a weekly basis uh, in a shorter format, right? Like try to make it 30 minutes. We've kind of not really kept to that. Now it's, <laughs> now it's getting closer to an hour, but uh, we're reading these stories anyway. So let's just get together and talk about them. And that like, it, it took a year to get to that formula, but now that we've got it, uh, it, it's working and we've, you know, we're a top 50 business news podcast now. So it's like a thousand of people that listen to it every week, which is pretty cool. And, you know, we just want to grow that, right? Try to reach more accountants. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of accountants out there who should be uh, exposing themselves in some way to this, this, this cloud world, right? Cloud accounting, cloud technology, the new way of doing things. So yeah, if we can reach them, that's great. And if we can make some money doing it, that's even better. So if someone's thinking about starting a podcast, what would be quickly sort of like the pros, the cons? The pros and the cons. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, the good, yeah. the bad, and the ugly, I would say. Um, it's a huge time commitment and it's a, it's a steep learning curve. Uh, but if you, you ha basically have to be willing to have like see like zero results for 50 episodes and, you know, maybe hundred episodes. That's a lot. That's a big commitment, right? To, to, to be willing to do that. And, um, and, and then also, you know, iterate and try to change it and try to figure out what's going to work. Um, I think that you also have to try to figure out who is your audience. Uh, I think a lot of podcasts start and people like, don't really know like, who is this for, uh, which if you can, if you can figure out an audience, like, and also why are you doing the podcast? Right. Ask, like, is it to generate business, to generate leads for your business? Is it is it just to make yourself known like the topics thought leader uh, or one of, you know, the topic of discussion right now is, is being a thought leader or the, the concept of thought leadership. You know, are you trying to make yourself into a thought leader through a podcast? Right. Um, so my, my motivation wasn't to sell anything. It was. I, I I'm trying to think actually why I did it. Uh, I mean, was it ego? Was it completely ego? Possibly. <laughs> I, 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 I'll be honest with you. Ego has a lot to do. I mean, it's, you you yeah. you you say you like to you say you like to explain I, things to people. Well, or, I like or, I like to talk about these things, right? And I like right. to you know I do get on my my uh, soapbox sometimes. And like the big question is, do you like to talk about it, or you want other people to hear you talk about it? That's a um, real big question. I like to, I like, I think what I like about getting on doing the podcast with David is that we have this, you know, back and forth and um, we can debate things and that's fun. 
And I, and actually the thing I like most of all is the discussion that goes on on social media after an episode, because now people will listen and they'll actually come, come back at us and say, no, you're wrong about this. And I love that it stimulates that discussion or they'll agree. And um, to me, it's just like all the reasons that I go to conferences. Like I started going to conferences pretty early when I started my business and I just loved the, the conversation and the debate. And this is just a way to keep that going yeah. all, all around, you know, all, all the time. And it's not just you know a few times a year. So, so I've got to ask you. You've you've done thought leadership through blogs and thought leadership through podcasts. Which do you prefer, and which would you recommend to someone? Well, so uh, here's like so I I can I don't know if I can speak authoritatively on like actually being in practice at this point, but I can tell you about marketing because that's what I'm doing, right? And and one of the rules of marketing if you have limited resources, actually it should be the rule, even if you have lots of money and time is try to get as much as you can out of all the content you're creating. So you don't want to just create a blog. You want to create, if, if you create a, a recording, you want to get the audio and turn that into a podcast. You want to take the, the interview and turn that into a blog post where you also promote the podcast. And then maybe you even get some social media clips out of it. Uh, maybe you are able to turn that into an infographic, right? Because that way your return on, on that effort of that getting that interview and doing all the research is you get multiple pieces of content. Um, so there's your... a, the marginal effort to, yes. to make different versions of the content and put it in different formats. Uh, it's very small and you basically, uh, I think, I think uh, marketing people call it repurposing, right? You're yeah. repurposing the content, right? So, so t t tell me about. So let's let's start drawing some. Let's let's draw some lines here. So you record your podcast, which mm -hmm. goes on iTunes and Google Play and Spotify as well. Is that on Spotify? Yeah, it's, it's, we try to get as many platforms yeah. as we can. So, so it's a, so if it's on Spotify, means you can ask Alexa to play it. Yep. So that's 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 important. Um, or kind of important. So, yeah. so you start with the podcast, and then let's let's do each one. So LinkedIn. So how do you, how do you leverage your podcast in LinkedIn, for example? Let's do each each example. Yeah. So maybe the cloud accounting podcast is not the best example um, because we we kind of we don't repurpose it all that much. I, well, I, I will tell you how I do repurpose it. So um, the pod, I post the podcast up on my website. I use Squarespace. Uh, it's not the best blogging platform. WordPress is far more robust, but Squarespace is easy, like stupid easy. It's like the Apple of right hosting. Uh, so, so I could figure that out and not have to hire a developer. Um, so I post it up there and then the feed, uh, is grabbed by iTunes. And it basically, if your podcast is recognized by iTunes, if you're listed in, in Apple podcasts, then that's where all the other services get their feeds. Right. They all they all use Apple, so I don't have to worry about submitting it anywhere else. Um, because of the way it's set up on Squarespace, it's a blog format, so people can go there and they they open it up, they see the audio, and then they can see the show notes. And I have uh, an app I use called Mailer Light, which then takes the blog post and emails it out to all of my subscribers, saying, "There's a new episode. Uh, here is here are the show notes." So, so let's take a step back. Yeah. Your blog has a subscribe button and people subscribe to the blog to get updates on when you post a new blog post. Yeah, episode. So even if they're not interested in necessarily listening to the audio, 
they're still getting all the links to the articles uh, in their email. So some people listen, hopefully more people listen. Uh, and then the, but people, if they don't have time, if they're just interested in getting the articles, they get that via email uh, in the, in, in the form of show notes. But, yeah, but an email with a couple of interesting links could entice yeah. them to listen. Exactly. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's sort of like a gateway um, to the, being a regular listener. Sorry but, to interrupt, but yeah. are there, are there, have you found that there's particular format or um, type of show notes that work really well that get more readership and, and more engagement? Yeah, that's a great question. I haven't really done the work to figure that out. I started out doing a narrative form. Uh, and that just took a lot of time. So what I ended up switching to just for, you know, the sake of my sanity is uh, a format where it's just, here's the time code. And then here's the article we talked about. And if I, if I feel like if I've got a little extra time when I'm posting up the episode, then maybe I'll put a little bit about what we said about that article. Um, so depending on the week, right. If I'm busy or not. Uh, and, and so that's, that's when it becomes more of a value by itself is when there's that commentary. So a quick question. So I'm looking at uh, blakeoliver.com. I clicked on podcast. I'm looking at the most recent one. Yeah. So you have the time code in which you were talking, the time that you were talking about the topic and then a link that sends you to the article. Yeah. That's a manual process. Like you have to like, you have to time it, figure out where it is or you have apps that do this for you. So as I'm, I use Adobe Audition to edit the podcasts. And then as I'm editing, I place markers in the audio. And when you export it, you can export the markers. Uh, and, uh, and so I can actually export the, all the markers as, as like the, as text. And that's what I use as the starting point for the. Those are your bullet points. Yeah. Um, so I, as I go, I try to note what articles we talked about. So it's less time consuming. Um, and I've gotten pretty fast at it, you know, relatively, I guess. I mean, there's people probably who are way faster, but that's how I'm able to do it in, you know, a few hours. Now, one, one thing I found, and you tell me if you agree or, or if it's happened to you, is if you start with audio and you start discussing it with audio and, and, and maybe it was something you read or maybe it was something, mm -hmm. something that you thought at the moment or maybe somebody else's comment or question made you think of something, it does spark the creativity juices and it does create a sort of a starting point for you to start writing. Yep. Or I mean, if you at least write show notes, that's, that's an article. I mean, that's writing, right? So you find that, yeah. that building this, doing this audio conversation first helps you create more content. Oh, yeah. So, so here's what I would do if I, were, if I were in a firm and I wanted to create content. It's, my big problem is that I, when I write, I edit as I write, which slows me down. It takes forever. And I feel like a lot of accountants have this problem because we're perfectionists. So we want it to be perfect as it comes out, but that's not how the creative process works. You've just got a brain dump onto the page. Uh, it's hard to do that when you're typing because you can see it as you go. So the beauty of recording audio is you can just talk. And if you screw up, you just say, no, that's not right. Here's what I really meant. And you just keep on going, right? It's, you just, you just, and if you're having a conversation with somebody, it's even easier because you can, like you said, you can riff off each other. So let's say, um, I don't know. What's your, what's, uh, do either of you have a particular niche that you like to specialize in or would like to be more? I, I, I serve the IT consultant market. Great. So uh, you find uh, one of your clients or a prospect, an IT consultancy person, and you start asking them questions, right? 
you can then use that interview as the basis uh, for your podcast episode, but then that can also become a blog post, right? And you have it transcribed and there's all these great transcription services that are very affordable now. So you use something like rev.com or sonics.ai, right? Uh, and now, oh, there's your blog post. You, all you have to do is clean it up and you've got a blog post or a guest post or whatever you want. Maybe uh, if you go in depth enough, you even turn it into, you hire a designer and you have them turn it into a white paper, right? A, a beautiful PDF uh, that you can then gate on your website with a form so that prospects who are interested in learning about that have to then fill out your form, give you their contact information. Now they're on your email list and they're getting your emails every week, uh, much more likely to then become a prospect. So, so that's the, that's the beauty of, of kind of combining all the different marketing vectors. Uh, like, like Hector said, you're getting, um, how did you put it? You put it in a very finance, finance oriented terminology of, of incremental cost, right? Your incremental marginal cost. Yeah. 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 Incremental marginal cost. Yeah. Your marginal cost to to create all those new uh, pieces of content uh, is, is very small. So um, you mentioned, you mentioned email in a world where there's tons of spam. So, So tell me, tell me it's email valuable. Do people respond to it? That's the crazy thing is that email, because it's so cheap to send an email, it's free to send an email, is still the highest performing marketing vector there is, believe it or not. And people still are addicted to their inboxes. And all you've got to do is be better than all the other crap that is in their inbox on a regular basis. So how do you become better than all the other crap? I know I'm asking you a loaded question. No, that's a great question. (laughs) Um, It's all about trying to... When, whenever you create content, imagine your audience. And, and it's, it's even better if you can come up with like a few individual people who you are writing for. And, and like the, a great example is uh, children's books. So like all the best uh, children's books, those authors were always writing for their own children, right? And so that's why the books are so good is because they had an audience in mind. Uh, And I think the great example is like Winnie the Pooh, right? Um, That was written for, uh, gosh, I don't even remember who the author is, right? But that was, uh, that was written for his, his son, who was Christopher Robin. There's a real Christopher Robin, right? Uh, So we have to think that way when we're creating blog posts or we're creating podcasts is, is who is this uh, for? And ideally you even have like a, either a fictional persona or, or even better, a real person, like a real customer that I want. If you find that customer and you want to like have a hundred of them, right? That's who you create the content for. Um, and then it sort of, it just falls into place a lot easier. I, I love that idea of actually writing for a, a very, like everyone's talked about writing for personas and building your avatars. Um, we've all hear that, but I actually love like writing for an individual, like literally yeah. pick your favorite client yep. and write an article for your favorite client. That's such a great idea. Imagine them reading it and yeah, and busy with all the other things in their mailbox and what will what will entice them uh, to actually open and, it. And uh, to your point, imagine the subject line that will yeah. get them to open that email. Yeah. Right. So so literally, like you write an email to your client, to your ideal client about a yep. specific topic, and then it is just not to that client; it's to the world. And, and uh, probably a way to get ideas as to what kind of content to create for your blog would be to go through emails that you have written to clients and 
like questions they ask you and, yeah. and take that question. And you probably wrote, like have written like paragraphs in response to questions, right? Very, very valuable information and just generalize it enough so that you can post it online as an answer to a question. Uh, and then you create that library of content. I mean, Hector, you're the, you, you've done this very successfully on YouTube, you know, with, with, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of views, I know, um, answering people's questions, right? 3.6 um, so. million, who, who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so it's, it's like that, that, that whole idea um, can be applied to all sorts of different, uh, different marketing avenues. I'll tell you the, the one thing that's low hanging fruit for everyone. And I don't think, I don't know if I ever mentioned this and I think obviously Blake, you just did, but I think anybody that's watching and listening to this, that doesn't have time to build content or doesn't know how to do it or whatever. I do that now. Like every time I, I, I get an email from a, from a customer or a non-customer and I'm, <laughs> typing and I'm thinking, damn, this is, a, this is an awesome answer. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. There's bullet points. There's, you know, if then, you know, there's, uh, you know, general rule, exception one, two, three, you know, and then when you're done writing that email, you're like, it would take me three minutes to remove some names and company names and dollar amounts. And this would be a great article. And mm -hmm. a lot of the articles that are written for my, for my website, which has tons of views also, by the way. So yeah. YouTube is not the only place that I get traffic. My website gets 20,000 hits a month. So, so and that a lot of it, inspiration comes from these long drawn out emails where someone's asking me a question. And many times I'm like, I'm not gonna answer this guy because he's not, not, not paying me or, 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 or maybe too much liability or whatever. And in other cases, I'm like, you know what? Let me answer it and make it into a blog article because this is like the third time this week that I get the exact same question. Yep. And that's the other thing is when people ask, when, when you get annoyed about getting the same question over and over and all you're doing is getting annoyed by it, then you're an idiot. What you should be <laughs> doing is you should be yeah. creating podcasts around that, building an, writing an article around that, doing a video around that. Because and I, think, I think your partner, uh, David says it, conversations are markets. What people are talking about, what people are asking about is where you want to position yourself. You know, like what people don't know or don't understand, that's the stuff that you should be writing about. Yeah. And, and the fact that they're asking you is an indication usually that there's a gap in, in the market for that information. Because most people, you know, hopefully your clients know how to use Google, right? And they'll probably try, I don't know, maybe they don't, but they, right. they don't. I wish they did. They don't. <laughs> well, well, you know, um, actually, this is a great reason. Uh, so, I, you know, Hector, you asked me, like, why do the podcast? And one of the reasons uh, that we, we got to this news format is because we felt like the traditional accounting media weren't covering the stories that we wanted to, to hear about. Like they just they for whatever reason. And so we, you know, we're like, well, let's be an alternative media outlet in some ways. We're filling a gap, right? An information hole. And you might think that everything's been done, but there's like still just tons and tons of information that is missing. Uh, and if you, if you just plug the gap like in a small way, then you can be that thought leader in that space. Give me some other so opportunities. Well, go ahead, go ahead, Andrew, go ahead. No, I was just gonna, I, um, I guess I was gonna take us on a little bit of a tangent because this is all 
like perfect examples of how to build good content. Um, but we were talking about talking about the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. What what do you think is the worst type of content? What is the things people shouldn't be doing? Oh, it's just, you know, uh, create a strategy around, oh, here is what this competitor is doing. I'm just going to copy them and create similar content so I can get steal their views. It's not going to work because they were there first, first of all. And you're just going to dilute things if any, you know, it's, it's like really... And this is the problem you see like firms crop up and they just copy your website. We had that happen mm-hmm. to us. A firm literally just like had paid some, somebody to copy our website word for word. Yeah. You know? And like, that's just not, it's not good. I mean, you may think you're being like clever, I guess, but you, it's not going to work. It didn't. Yeah, you're, taking a, you're taking a shortcut and it's not, yeah. not going to help you. Yeah. I guess another question about that. What about depth of content? Because one of the things I see often as a mistake is that when the when the content isn't deep enough, like we talked about earlier, that mm-hmm. your yeah. your 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 content on Botkeeper and the amount of work that you went into to do the research, do you think that there's a a certain amount of depth that is required yeah. for good content? And and what is that? How deep deep do you need to go? And because I think there's a lot of people being pushing you. You got to put content out. You got to put content on your website. Right. That's how you build SEO. Build a 300 to 500 word blog post um, and, and optimize it for keywords, but there's really no depth to the content. Yep. Yeah, that's also a cheating strategy and it doesn't work long term. Uh, and people will realize they'll realize it's clickbait. They'll click on it, they'll kind of scroll through and they'll be like, oh, this is not, this doesn't have any real information. It's just designed to get me to click, right? By marketing people. And um, you'll do just annoy people, I think, first of all. So it'll have the, opposite in, in a consequence. All it will do is inflate your website visits. It won't actually get you quality leads. So yeah, it's, it's about uh, quality over quantity. Um, and we've, we, I found that, um, I think also people are afraid to give away their really in-depth knowledge because they think, oh, if I write this blog post then people aren't going to hire me, but not true. <laughs> it's not true at all. Like you yeah. can give away everything, you know, and people will still want to hire you because they can't do it themselves. I mean, it, it's so complicated, right? Like you, yeah. you can write the, the instruction manual, right? And sell that and people will still want to hire you to help them do exactly. it. And so like, that's just give away. It's so counterintuitive because we, we think we sell knowledge and we do, uh, but well, it's more like we sell the application of the knowledge, right? Like to a specific situation. So yeah, if you're a tax expert, give away that information. Um, you know, and, and people will still hire you. And, and you well, sell you, an outcome, you, not knowledge, in my opinion, but sorry, actor, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, sell, an, yeah. sell an outcome is even better, right? <laughs> so yeah, so Andrew, Andrew, just because we all talked at the same time. So Andrew said we sell outcome, not knowledge. Blake said we don't sell knowledge, but we kind of do, but what we sell is the application of knowledge. Yeah. So the application of knowledge that drives a result is the outcome. So. Well, I think the way Andrew said it is better. I like the outcome aspect. Yeah, we, we yeah. sell outcome, yeah. not, not the knowledge. So one of the things I like to say when people give me a pushback saying, oh, why would I write about that? Why would I give away that trade secret? You know, first of all, no one really has trade secrets. I mean, like, you know, Coca-Cola has a formula, right? That's right. their secret. And there's like a million companies that make something that's 0.0001% difference mm-hmm. than Coca-Cola. Yes, Coca-Cola has... Their internal know-how, their formula is it's it's probably one of the most valuable formulas out there, um, you know, or the cure for whatever, right? 
Um, but at the end of the day, it, knowledge is worthless if people don't know that you know it. Yes. And that's the biggest issue. Yeah. That's the biggest issue. So, so, so somebody keeps, keeps that know-how under their sleeve, hoping that that whale client will come in and you'll be able to apply it and no one else will. And that's it. You know, but, yeah. but, but the reality is that you, know, you are more than you know, a few pieces of know-how. You, you probably know a lot of stuff that will behoove your customers to know that you know it. And the yep. only way to do it is to share the content. You know, the, the way I think about this is the value of money, right? So, Blake, do you have any money in your pocket now? Uh, I left my wallet in the other room. Do you have any money in your wallet? Do you have any yes, money in your wallet? I do. Okay? I do. So does that money in your wallet have any real value, any intrinsic value? It's just paper. Right? It's just paper. <laughs> the value of the money shows up when? When, when is the value of the money officially manifested? Uh, when I exchange it for goods or services. When you spend it, right? So knowledge in your head or in your pocket has no intrinsic value until you exchange it or you or it comes out into the open or you share it. And yeah. that's the way I think of yeah, I love that. That's a great yeah, way so, to think about it. So, so, so I, I, I just get worried about all these. I get worried about all the accountants that are retiring. I mean, there's so many of them. Yeah. In the, in their 60s and 70s are about to retire that have so much knowledge and they're literally going to retire and and it's going to go with them you know yeah. and that's and that's such a shame it is that, that's such a shame and, and and you don't have to be 60 or 70 to have knowledge there's a lot of 25 30 year olds that are whizzes you know from a technical level or yeah. they've had enough experience in a micro niche where that knowledge has value as well and they're not sharing <laughs> At least they're not letting the world know that they know it. And I think that's, that's, that's a big mistake. And just like the big companies, like you mentioned, Bench, or maybe Intuit offering bookkeeping, eating, potentially eating our lunch in the accounting services space, you know, Wikipedia ate the big encyclopedias uh, 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 industry's lunch. So will right. there be another company that will just give out all the accounting knowledge in in bite sizes, an easy way to learn it. And then all of a sudden that the couple of things that we knew, they just, they're, they're not valuable anymore. You know? So, well, I mean, people can go and they can right now, if you're a business owner, you've got a lot of resources to go learn how to do your own accounting. And if you really were motivated to do it, you could, but people just don't have time. Yeah. But, but it's still just, but it's still just boring debits and credits. Right. Yeah. But if, but like, uh, let me give you a, a perfect example that I have. The number one question I get in YouTube is how would I apply this to my trucking business? Mm -hmm. That's actually it, by the way, hmm. in the U S there's, there's an absolute boom of self-employed truckers. Right. Okay? I don't know where they came from or, or how this works, but tons of self-employed truckers are watching my videos and they're trying to figure out how to get my generic bank reconciliation video. And, and they want to learn, they want to do it, but they can't apply it to the trucking business. Mm -hmm. So, so I could, with as much authority as I have in QuickBooks and everything, I just don't have time to like go learn the trucking business to do content just for them. But and, if you did, you could own that whole, you know, vertical right there. Right, but yeah. I, I don't want to own every vertical. <laughs> but I, I bet you it's also not that different. That's the thing about these verticals is it, choosing to specialize in a vertical is is 
oftentimes there really isn't that much of a difference from one vertical to another. It's just a self-identified vertical. And because you say you're the expert in truckers, you will all of a sudden reap all the rewards of that community, yep. even though the, yep. to be honest, the, the tax knowledge for truckers is the exact same as the tax knowledge for IT consultants. It's, they're both service-based professionals with, with no inventory um, and very little accounts receivable or accounts payable, right? It's, it's, and the trick is you switch a couple of keywords and all of a sudden it's a niche, it's a niche article, it's a niche video, it's a niche podcast. Well, I will, there are some critical differences, I imagine, that maybe we haven't thought of uh, that, that could make all the difference. And I'm thinking, for example, with, um, God, one of my first clients when I started freelancing in, in bookkeeping was a, um, a, a therapist who was in private practice um, and her clients were like high uh, wealthy uh, people in Santa Monica who would send their children uh, to her for uh, specialized like therapy um, for kids with developmental uh, issues, right? And they were, they were submitting um, her invoices to like private insurance. And, and we didn't know, I didn't know, because I'd never worked with uh, somebody like this, that they needed to have the, the certain billing codes on them. They needed to have her signature on them for this all to get processed well. And so as a result, right, we had to go back and fix every invoice uh, for her entire business for months and months. Um, and if I'd known that ahead of time, then uh, that would that, that that the small thing makes a big difference. So right. and you, you wouldn't price, have wasted as much time, right? Uh, you you would price the job differently, or probably not taking the client knowing how much actual real work takes. Well, and I mean, it was all we had to do was add a custom field to the invoices, make sure we added these codes, right? And then it was fine going forward. But like you could actually create just you know several blog posts around the little the little specific differences for that niche, and you could have all of those therapists, for instance, physical right. therapists. Yeah, that makes and me all, think. Yeah. I was going to say that makes you think of an, an example I, I use in my classes, which is if you get a bill from the water company, from the, from the water, you get the water bill, uh, where would you put that? And, 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 you know, and everybody raises their hand and they say utilities expense, right? But then you say, well, what if you were a laundromat? You know, what if your business was, uh, you're in the laundry, dry cleaning business and yeah. water cost a good soap, you know? So it's one of those things that... Or it, or if you're in the San Fernando Valley where they grow all the weed, where I live, uh, it's cost of goods sold. Right, it's cost of goods sold. <laughs> I actually don't know if that's true. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything about that industry or the product. Or but that's a whole niche too. I see people specializing in that. I went to the uh, Los Angeles Accounting and Finance Show and somebody uh, did a whole presentation about cannabis accounting. And everybody's afraid to get into it. And that person, those people are going to own it. Right. This is a billion dollar industry someday. So there are many, many opportunities. You know. And maybe they can get, get paid with product. Yeah, probably. Probably they'd be happy to do that. So, Blake, um, we, 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 we could probably go all night, but we don't want to take any more of your time and we try uh, to make this. I can't believe it's already been. Has it been an hour? This is this been, been an hour, an hour and, and six minutes. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So let's do any, any last uh, word. Maybe, Andrew, you have a couple of questions or comments. Last words around uh, thought leadership. Why do it? Uh, you know, how to get started. You know, why is it important? You know, kind of give us uh, some closing statements. It's hard. I think Blake's hit the nail on the head on so many different things. We've talked about uh, the good. We've talked about the bad. I think the only thing we haven't talked about 
is the ugly maybe, um, but I don't even know where we go with there. Uh, so maybe maybe the question is how important is visuals and your content actually having having a graphic designer and making your content look good as well as be good? Yeah, I, well, that's definitely important. Uh, the good news is that there's there there are so many good designers out there on sites like Upwork. Uh, and any of these, you know, uh, freelancing sites where, I mean, you can just get uh, amazing stuff. I mean, I built my whole website when I had cloud-sourced accounting for a few thousand dollars with using yeah. a, a firm in India. And um, I mean, our website was better than, you know, any of the top 25 accounting firms at the time. It was just, it's crazy. Uh, and all it takes is you got to be willing to, you know, do the detailed work of specking it out and, and, you know, saying what you want and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's important. It's funny though, you know, cause that we spent a lot of time talking about marketing and content and uh, we've sort of like, but I think we have been talking about thought leadership the whole time uh, because if you are out there sharing what you know, right. And learning from other people, maybe, eventually people start calling you a thought leader and that's what really needs to happen. If you want to be a true thought leader, you can't, can't go out there and call yourself a thought leader uh, unless you want people to make fun of you maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever, people are going to make fun of you anyway, but I guess to me, uh, so going back to my music days, it reminds me of the other musicians that I knew who would in their biographies, you know, call themselves virtuosos, right? Like, you shouldn't be calling yourself a, a master or a virtuoso. Other people need to call you that for it to be real. And the only way that's going to happen is if you go out there and you perform, right? And you put yourself out there and, and hopefully people like it. So I think that's the key, right? And, that, and, and that's basically what you're doing when you do content marketing for your firm is you are putting your knowledge out there. And if you do it long enough, you'll get good at it. And then people will see value in it and, and you'll have that reputation. And, and while, while we're on the topic before we wrap up, most thought leadership, most thought leaders are typically writing to uh, their, their same industry or to people that are doing the same thing that they're doing and they're helping their competitors in many ways. Yeah, so if yeah. you're a thought leader that wants to get clients, but what you end up getting is a bunch of colleagues to admire your, your content and use it and leverage it for their own is that could that be could is it, could could there be something good coming out of that as well? Yeah, I think so. Well, actually, uh, where it really helped us with what was with recruiting, mm. right? So, because we were out, actually, my two best employees, Matt and Cat, they found they found us on our website and they said, uh, "We want to come work for you." And that alone was worth the entire investment and all of the having a beautiful website, having a good blog, having good content out there was because they were not happy where they were at and they wanted to come work for us. And a great employee is worth more than 20 great customers. That's oh yeah. Amazing. Because, because, well, first of all, um, Matt was our head of sales and Kat was our head of bookkeeping. <laughs> like I could not have grown that company without them. And so, yeah, it's, it's funny. I didn't even think about this until the end, but that was actually more valuable to me than any of the customers. Cause I can go out and get customers through traditional means right? Word of mouth and whatnot, but I couldn't get them that way because they were, they were across the country. So that's a, that's a good reason to do it. 
build that's your awesome like yeah, yeah, yeah i'm not gonna ask you any more questions because we're gonna go, we're gonna go really long andrew you want to i want to I, I want to ask one that one last question <laughs> okay. can, we get, can, can we get you back another day absolutely mid market yeah this is fun this is great yeah. i would love to do that well, we appreciate you coming out to, to chat with us tonight it was really insightful um and uh you want to give a plug to your blog and your podcast and where people can find more content about you and i'm sure everyone who watches this already is listening but just in case they're not you never know uh if you are interested in listening to the number one accounting and bookkeeping podcast in the world uh, check out the cloud accounting podcast you can uh, find us on your favorite podcast player or you can go to my website blakeoliver.com where you can also subscribe to get the show notes emailed to you. So whenever an episode drops, you'll get an email with a link to the episode and the show notes. Um, that also has my blog. Connect with me on Twitter, at Blake T. Oliver. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. I'll, I'll be at ZeroCon if anyone's going to ZeroCon. And um, I've already booked my hotel for QuickBooks Connect, so I guess I'm going to that too. Awesome. Yeah. You're staying at the Fairmont, I hope? Uh, I don't know. I can't actually remember. I did a Hotwire deal. I'm really into Hotwire, so I don't think it's at the Fairmont. So it could not, be anywhere. It's uh, it's not too. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, I'll you'll be you'll it. be hanging out at the Fairmont. I'm pretty sure that's where everyone hangs out at the. I hear the that's where everyone Brooklyn. hangs out. I don't know. I don't know if yeah. Hotwire San Jose. Last time we'll I see had you. Last time I, I booked it way too late and I had to stay over by the airport and that was a big mistake. Oh yeah. oh yeah, that's a long commute, right? That's like, how long would that be? Half an hour to get into the conference every time? It was, well, luckily it was pretty early. Uh, so it was like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, but yeah, it was a drag. So I'm at the Hotel de Anza. Hopefully that's not a horrible place. It's not that far. It's not that far, you know. I well. don't know it. So we're going to do the podcast live from ZeroCon and also live from uh, QuickBooks Connect. And maybe we can get Perfect. you guys on. I'm, I'm getting a new rig to do it live with uh, like up to four people. What oh, are you getting? I, yes. We, you, you're talking gadgets to the new. Yeah. We're right, gadget gadget keys. Keys. So um, I still have to do a little more research, but I, I couldn't believe it. There's actually a specialized mixing board now for podcasters called the Roadcaster. Oh, I have it. Okay. Oh, you have that. What do you think? I, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't, haven't opened it yet. Okay. <laughs> I, because I bought the Roadcaster and I bought the about four pod mics, but the mm -hmm. pod mics haven't arrived, so I yeah, didn't want to mess with it until the pod mics arrived. So. Okay, so that's the kit that I want to buy. Unfortunately, it's not uh, the pod mics are not coming out until sometime in mid June. Yep. So I can't buy. It. Yeah. So I'm if hopefully if it arrives soon enough, we'll do that from ZeroCon, and get some fun interviews like you know at the event using some high quality yeah, yeah. It's, it's great it's like 600 bucks it's 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 great it's a great little tool yeah well so, I, ha I have to i have to buy all new gear because all my gear got stolen out of my car oh no um, really yeah unfortunately oh, it really did um terrible. but yeah it's terrible but maybe it's a good thing because now, now you get new gear. <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey so silver linings yeah. Silver linings, exactly. Oh, my gear broke. I guess I have to get new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's a way to get permission from the wife. Hey, they, they yeah. stole it. Nothing I can do. I, I, you know. <laughs> For me, I, just, right. I can just blame it breaking on my son, you know. Oh, he he, he just he put Play-Doh in it. Now it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> How old's your son, Blake? He's four. 
He's four. Oh, okay, I got a five-year-old. So I'm kind of amazed he hasn't come and knocked on the door. He's being really good tonight. I told him I had to go and do a phone call for work, and uh, he's gotten to the age where he actually understands what that means. And he's been. He's, yeah, my kids understand what that means. It doesn't mean they that will stop them. That's that's why we do this at eleven thirty because we wait till they're asleep. So my son, unfortunately, I don't know. Uh, in California, apparently, there is a law that the this is the thing that infuriates me more than anything. It's turning me you into can't a, beat your kids. No. So we have apparently. I can't believe this. Uh, our, so at, at his preschool, they they let them nap every day, and our son was taking these just like incredibly long naps and staying up really late every night. And so I, a bunch of the parents were complaining about this apparently, and the head of the school had to send out an email to everybody saying that according to California law, I think this is a state law. They are required to have nap time, which I think is a good thing, right? But they are not allowed to wake the children up. The children have to wake up on their own. And the school is very, like, you know, good about following this rule. And so our son will take like two hour naps. Um, and I, I was like, why? How is this possible that this is the law? Like, talk about, like, it's turning me into a libertarian, you know? I'm just like, <laughs> government overreach uh, in a way that I've never been so annoyed at because now he stays up until like 10, 10 at night. <laughs> yes. Wait till they hit like so. I've got a I've got a five year old and a ten year old, and the ten year old just wants to stay up all night long. Um, and I guess it gets worse and worse as they get older and older. Okay, that's I've, I've well, at least it's already bad now. So now it's just it can't can't get any worse. I guess until he's like a teenager, and then you know he'll probably hate me and just stay in his room all the time anyway. So <laughs> he'll just be on a device. He won't care. Exactly. Yeah. He won't be, he won't be like knocking on the door when I'm trying to sleep or something. So he'll be, he'll be just saying, dad, shut up. I'm trying to watch you. Exactly. Yeah. And he'll be really embarrassed by my podcast. He'll be like trying to hide it from his friends. Like, you know, he's like, dad, why do you gotta be so famous with accountants? Jesus, dad. Yeah. So nerdy. <laughs> you know, I've been trying to end the podcast for like the last 15 Sorry, minutes. Sorry, Hector. I'm having too yeah. much fun. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> no, I just I was looking for <laughs> the right time to to do it. Uh, yeah, we we you know like as much as we can go, people get kind of a people don't watch things that are over an hour, and that's important thing for your podcast too. Like, yep, never make an episode over an hour because no. people just won't click it. People won't click it. No. All right, we still I'm have a- eleven people watching. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make an executive decision. Uh, Blake, we'll, 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 we'll love to have you back. All right. And Bye, everyone. Thanks, Thank you. Good Thanks, night, Andrew. Bye. See you guys next.